I uh, I told you guys a couple weeks ago that uh, when I was when Bethany and I were in Tennessee just a uh, I don't know three weeks ago I guess it would be that as I was driving through the mountains I was praying to God and asking Him uh, where what the direction was that He really intended for us to go um, these next couple of weeks and. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared with you um, a sermon that I called uh, "Pass the Gravy." Um, Pass the Gravy, and the whole thing that we talked about um, was well, we did talk about gravy a little bit. I'm just going to be honest there. Uh, but what we were trying to get to was the idea of how simple that question is of "Pass the Gravy," and how how it's various. It's a it's a very simple question to ask. It's a simple process to go through. Most of the time, you even forget that you even asked for it because it's just you just maybe you remember the gravy, but you forget asking for it. And that we have to get back as a people to asking God for some things. We need to get back to a place where we're not afraid to take our petitions before the God of the universe. And the bigger piece of that was we need to be willing to take those petitions to him no matter how large they are or how small they are. We need to get back into a conversation with God. And tonight, I want to talk, uh, this is kind of uh, part two. Um, I'm going to do a, a, a message that I'm calling leftovers. Now, Leftovers was uh, um, kind of an interesting thought that God kind of dropped in, in my mind. Um, I think that this is, without a doubt, probably the season for leftovers, right? I mean, like, you got Thanksgiving. You're always going to have something left. I mean, if, if your family don't have something left over, you're just not cooking enough food. Let's just be honest, right? You just got to cook a whole lot more food if that's what you're doing. And so, You've got, you've got leftovers from that. You're going to have um, some sort of Christmas feast probably. Um, some people will have a New Year's feast. Like there's all these different things, right, where this is really, and, and all honestly, this is the, the time, the season for leftovers. Now, let me go ahead and do this as a kind of a public service announcement. If you still have leftovers from Thanksgiving in your refrigerator, okay, there's probably someone in your family that's calling A&E and going to put you on an episode of Hoarders. It's probably time to let go of any Thanksgiving leftovers at this point, okay? I'm just going to break it to you easy. It's time to let go of that stuff. Um, but so I, when God kind of gave me this, this idea of leftovers and talking about this, I, I kind of went through a process where I was, I was learning about leftovers. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big leftovers guy. <laughs> I'm just not. Um, there's, there's a few things that I really like as leftovers. Um, I think pizza's always good. Um, uh, pizza's, I mean, like, it's just great. Um, I would also say Chipotle. Um, it's very rare that I ever have leftover Chipotle, but if I have it, still good. Um, there's just very few things. Bethany will tell you, cause it'll frustrate her. Cause she'll be like, I made this amazing meal. You can take it for lunch tomorrow. And I'll be like, no, not happening. Right. And so I was doing some research about um, really American consumers, and uh, I, I read this. I read that the American consumers throw away 27 million tons of food each year. 27 million tons every single year. And this, just this process alone of just disposing of that costs our economy estimated right around 144 billion dollars to dispose of the stuff that we're not eating. That's insane. 
right? That's, that's like those were some crazy numbers because there was like one or two things that I thought that I could probably do with $144 billion, right? One or two things, maybe, right? So I continue to read, and believe it or not, um, I think everyone researches everything. So there were actually researchers that went in and they studied three U.S. cities. They studied Nashville, um, Denver, and New York. And um, this is a weird, I feel bad for these researchers. They dug through trash cans in those three cities, okay? And what they literally did was they, they determined what was in the waste of those cans. 23% of everything that was in those cans were actually classified as leftovers, right? Not scraps. Like, I think scraps were like 28%, right? You know, bones and such. But 23% were actual leftovers that people just didn't eat, Right? So this whole process of leftovers, like this is, this is a, a really interesting thing. And, and what they found is that people typically threw leftovers out for one of two reasons. Either they forgot about them in the fridge and it was in there so long that then they were uncomfortable <laughs> and they didn't know whether they should eat it or not. So they just went ahead and threw it away. Or two, they just decided they didn't want to eat it again. They were bored with it, right? I, now, in our household, it has happened where we have made something and we have made so much of it, like, an unbelievable amount of it that eventually we're like, okay, we're sick of this. Like we can't keep figuring out a different way to heat up this, whatever it was. Right. And so, um, what we're going to, we're going to talk about, and I know some of you are saying, is he still really talking about leftovers? Yes, I am. Just bear with me. Okay. We're going to get there. Here's the question that I want to ask you. Here's the thought that I want to put in you. What part of your life, what skills do you have? Which desires do you have? Which passions do you have that have fallen into the category of your leftovers? I want you to begin thinking through that and processing that because, you know, what it comes out to is, you know, what, what, is, what is God stirred in your heart? What, what vision, what, 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 whatever it would have been, what is, has been in there that you've assumed at this point that it's been so long that it couldn't possibly still be good, Right? What, what, what do you think has been used up so much at this point that there's no point in you going back to it and using that skill or using that whatever, that gifting, that calling, whatever it is, what is it that you have allowed to lay dormant? What are your leftovers? What are your leftovers? That's what we're going to be talking about because this is, this is something that I believe, I believe that the body of Christ has so many leftovers in people that are supposed to be used right now. You talk, you talk about 27 million tons of food that's being thrown away. How many talents, skills, and resources are in this building today that is not being put to work? See, this is, this is, this is you know, we'll talk about the parable of the talents and all these things where we have things that we can do today. We have things that we are, we are equipped to do, we are capable of doing, but we are not doing them. These, these are the things that I'm telling you are your leftovers, right? It's the stuff that's in the fridge that you're not opening up and using. And so I want you to be thinking as we get into this word tonight, what is in your life that you're not tapping into and using? Okay. Now you might think I'm crazy, but um, I actually believe that there's a passage in the Bible um, that actually talks about this pretty well. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. 
I want to read a couple verses here, and I, I really, I want you to continue to be thinking. And listen, if, if God starts to speak to you about something specific in your life that you've maybe called a leftover, that, you're, you're, that he's starting to stir into your spirit right now, into your mind, I want you to start writing a note over to the side about all these things. Because I believe that tonight is a night that God is going to stir some of that stuff back up in your heart. That there are things in there that he is wanting to use, okay? Second Kings chapter 13. We're going we're gonna to read verses 20 and 21. And I'm going to start here in 20, and don't be surprised when I stop really short. It says this. Elisha died. Who's dead? Elisha. Okay, good. You guys are following along. Okay. Elisha died and was buried. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a little bit, okay? I want to remind you of who Elisha was, okay? Elisha was a prophet who was a student of the prophet Elijah, okay? Can you say Elijah and now say Elisha. Are you following me there? Ja, sha, right? Just so, yeah, you're with me. Okay. He followed Elijah for roughly four years before Elijah was taken up with God. If you remember, Elijah is the prophet who called out to the worshipers of, of Baal and called out to God after pouring multiple barrels of water on the sacrifice and called out to God asking him to send fire down after he mocked them for not being able to get Baal to call fire down. And God sends the fire down, burns up everything. It's just straight crazy, right? So that is his teacher. That is Elisha's teacher. That's who, that's who he is following and who, is, who has led him, right? And when, when Elijah left this earth, he was taken up in a chariot of fire he never died. God took him from this earth. And when he did, Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit because he wanted more of what he had experienced while he was with him. So at this point, just to remind you, we are talking about Elisha, right? He came after and with Elijah. You're with me, right? Okay. So this is, this is Elisha's dead. He has been buried. There's nothing left of him. His miracles have ceased. The prophet's dead. Are you with me? Good. We're going to keep reading that now. I'm going I'm to just start back at the beginning. Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, Suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. Whose tomb did he throw him into? Elisha's tomb. Threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Did you get that? Okay. When, when this dead man was thrown into Elisha's grave, Elisha was dead and gone, guys, right? Completely dead and gone. And when he gets, this man gets thrown into this, it says when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and he stood up on his feet. Now, let me tell you something. If I'm the guy or with some of the guys, who threw the dude into there, 
I'm a little bit panicked, okay, to be quite honest with you. That's a little bit terrifying, right? But what I want you to understand is when I think about, when we think about um, when we leave this world, because we will leave this world, right? When we leave this world, our spirits are going to enter into eternity, right? It can be an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. It's one or the other, okay? But there will be an eternity. And the reality is when my spirit leaves this body, I consider the, the only thing that's going to be here, right, is going to be what's left, the bones, right? Bones, skin, whatever's left on my body at that point. I'll probably be wearing a flannel. Just, let's just be honest about it, okay? <laughs> and the reality is, is when I think about this passage, when I think about this scripture, the reality is all that was in that grave was Elisha's leftovers. See? And I think when we look at this, the reality is, is that God still wanted to do something even with Elisha in that moment, right? The problem that we have is that we can't see or understand why God wants to use us in this moment, and we're still here, guys. We keep missing this because Elisha's leftovers did something miraculous in this story. Fortunately, his entire life before that, guess what? It was filled with the miraculous. There were miraculous, amazing things that were happening all through Elisha's life, okay? And just, just as that happened, look, when we look at ourselves, the question becomes, what are your leftovers? What are the things that God has in you, he has placed in you, that he is wanting you to move into something miraculous? We have downplayed skills, knowledge, all of these things for way too long. I think a part of that problem is because what we've done or what the church has maybe made us think that we have to do is we have entrusted specific leaders or people to say that's their job, right? They say, hey, Tom's the one with the mic, and so that's kind of his, that's his world. That's kind of his thing about, you know, talking about Jesus and, and sharing the word. That's not, no, no, guess what? I got news for you. That's all of our thing, right? That's not, it's not my thing. It's our thing, Okay. And what's happened is we have taken things that God has gifted specific people for and because they don't do it perfect or because they've got a little blemish on their uh, uh, background check or they've done wh whatever it is, right? Whatever, whatever failure they've had in their life, we blow it up to such a point that we, we make them feel like all they are are leftovers. You had your shot. You had your chance. Your time is up. You know, one of the things that uh, Bethany and, and I used to be so frustrated about um, as youth pastors is that we would have these youth and they were in desperate need of mentors. People who would love them and really teach them the word. And the problem that we had with that is we had such an older generation in our church that wanted nothing to do with those people. They didn't like them because of the way they looked, because of the, the things that they did. And I don't know about you guys, but I think we need to take those people and we need to help pull them out of their sin. We need to help teach them and guide them. And the problem is there are too many people that have found themselves sitting on pews because they've decided I've already done my work. I've literally heard people say, hey, I baked, I baked my pies to get to this point. I can sit on a pew now. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Guys, we, 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 have, we have allowed the enemy to convince us that what God has already placed in us, what he has already enabled us to do, are nothing more than just leftovers that aren't good for anything, and we might as well just pitch them. 
and we're throwing away one, some of our greatest opportunities to change the world. See, the opportunity to change the world isn't going to be found in a, in, a, in a person. It's not going to be found in a building. It's going to be found when the entire body of Christ wakes up and recognizes who it is. If we could only begin to understand what God has already intended for us to tap into and recognize what he has already placed in us, then we could, we could change the world today. But the longer that we sit in the background and the longer that we decide that we're nothing more than leftovers, I don't have anything good enough, my marriage was never good enough, my, 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 my school education was never good enough, I was never good enough, and as long as we sit back and we believe that lie, we won't. God wants us to change the world. He wants us to change the world. He's equipped us to change the world. He's given us the powerful word of God to be able to walk into it and see that come to pass. The problem is we're even seeing this as leftovers. And we have got to change that. Now, I started thinking through um, what does this process look like? What does this process look like for us if we start recognizing? So maybe you're writing things down and you're saying, you know what? That was something God had put in my spirit. That is something that he's spoken to me about doing and that I haven't moved on yet, right? Maybe there are things that are waking up to you now. And so, so the, the thought process that came to me is, okay, how do, we, how do we start that process? How do we get out of our rut, out of our hole, out of our comfy recliner, whatever it is, right? <laughs> how do we get out of that and we start moving into these things? So the first thing that I think we need to do, and this is not, this is not like, like I wanted this to be something that's like, unbelievable, like, just like, oh my gosh, my mind is completely blown. Like, I feel, like if, put yourself in my shoes, right? I'm getting ready to tell this to all of you guys, and you guys are going to be like, oh, wow, really? Hmm, he really figured that one out. Good work, Sherlock, right? Here's the first thing we have to do. We have to look. This is so simple, right? I'm like, man, really, Tom? That's it? Look? I'm like, God, you got to give me something bigger than that, right? We need to look. This sounds tough. It's not much more complicated than that, right? If it comes to leftovers in your fridge, what do you have to do? <laughs> Some of you guys, you might even have these cool fridges that are like see-through. You see these, like you can see what's inside there before you have to open it, because this is really hard. <laughs> this is really tough. <laughs> Some of, them, some of them actually have technology in it now where you scan your stuff before you put it in and, and it like tells you when you've used it all up. That's even weirder. Like you can look and you can like go to a fridge and you can say, um, tell me what I should make for dinner tonight. And they'll give you recipes based off what's inside of your refrigerator. That's weird. Bob, you've got one of those, don't you, Bob? <laughs> we have to look. Part of the challenge is most of the time we already know what's in the fridge. We know what's in there, right? Made it last night, made it two nights ago. Whatever it is, we already know. And the reality is, is when I'm telling you that you need to look for these things, look for these things that God has already equipped you to do, look for these things that he's already placed inside of you, the reality is you already know what they are. And what's funny for us is Bethany and I will talk about this because where, where I believe that God is moving us early into 2019 is he's moving us into a place to start this is, um, let, me, let me think of the way that I'm going to describe this. I imagine so many of you are standing on the side of a cliff. You're like, right there. Right there. And what's challenging for Bethany and I, and we had this conversation just this last week, 
is I feel like what God is, God is about to do is he's going to force us to push some of you off because he's got you to a place where he is ready to do something with you. And you can feel it in your spirit. You know that you have more to offer. You know that you have more to do. And unfortunately, I feel like he's places, placing us in a spot where we're just gonna have to walk up to you and go, do it, just go. Stop talking about it, stop praying about it, stop thinking about it. Listen, we can pray ourselves to death when never do anything. Honestly, when you, when you really think about it, and, and uh, um, I've heard this uh, from different pastors that when someone tells you that they're going to pray about it, that just means they really don't want to tell you no. <laughs> and it's funny because Brian and I have talked about this concept of, of sometimes we pray so much about what God is already telling us to do, and the reality is, is we try to super spiritualize the idea of, God do, you, God, do you really want me to go talk to that person about Jesus? I just don't know if you want me to or not. Well, guess what? The enemy sure doesn't want you to. So it's probably pretty good to guess to go ahead and move on what God is doing in your life. And I think that as we go into this, you have already, you already know the thing that God has moved in your spirit about. And instead of us playing a guessing game, here's where I'm telling you. We're to the point that I'm telling you, you feel something in your spirit that you're supposed to move on. Come tell us what you're doing. Because let me tell you something, we don't hold the keys to the kingdom, right? We don't do that. Brian and Shauna doesn't do that. Mike and Kim don't do that. Tiff and Kevin don't. Listen, this, this, is, this isn't our church. This is our church. And if we're going to reach people, it's because you're going to look within yourself. You're going to see the giftings and the callings that God has placed on you, and you're going to be bold enough to start moving in it. We know what our giftings are most of the time. Now, if you don't know what your giftings are, there's nothing wrong with that. We can help you identify where God has, has really positioned you, where he has equipped you to be able to do something, right? But there's something that's typically telling us that either we're not good enough, or we haven't done it long enough, or we don't know enough, and it's kept us from moving forward. We've got to start by looking. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are, we, what are we created to do? Good works, guys. We are created to do good works. And it says this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What God prepared in advance for us to do. We are waiting on something that God has already prepared. We are sitting around on our hands waiting for something that God has already prepared for us to do, guys. And we can reason and say, well, it's been in the fridge for a really long time, but it is a time for us to start moving on these things. When you look and you see and you start writing these things down that God had already put in your spirit, the question that should follow is, why haven't I done anything yet? Why haven't I moved on that yet? What has kept me from moving on that? You know, um, I looked at, I looked at uh, the main reasons why Americans don't eat leftovers anymore. And they say it's because it's so convenient for us to just get something else. There's just so many options, so many different options, that it's just easier. It's easier for us to just pick something up on the way home, right? It's, easy, it's easier to just do something like that. But how many of us know that 
the reality is the easy thing isn't always the right thing. Typically, the easy thing isn't the right thing to do, right? I don't think that anyone would say, if they found out they were throwing away millions of tons of food that are, is completely good, I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to be like, no, that's, no, that's totally the right thing to do. No, it's, it's totally good to just waste all of that. I think that's great. No, we don't think like that. But the reality is, is we do think like that when it comes to our own talents, the things that God has already put inside of us. And, and we need to start, when we, what we do is we look at other people and we see what they're doing and we say that they're doing a better job than I would. So I'm not going to do it. That's not, that's not it, guys. We can look at everyone else and say, man, they do a really good job of that so that they don't really have a need, right? You know, I, I have, I've talked to pastors with um, tiny churches. I've talked with pastors with massive churches. And across the board, almost every single one of them, what they'll tell me is that they need more laborers, right? The word tells us that, right? They need more people, more people to serve, more people willing to serve. And it's funny because most of the pastors that are in a, in a tiny church or a micro church, they look at the mega churches and they say, man, if I had all those people, whoo, they get all geeked out and excited. And they're like, man, I could do a million different things. And then you talk to the mega church pastors and they're like, I need more people. You know, if I had more people that were willing to serve. But the reality is, is the problem is all the same. The body of Christ, we need to serve. We need to get to a place of serving, and it starts by looking at what we have. What, what have we already been equipped with that we're not using today? Here's the, the next thing we have to do. We have to change the environment of whatever that talent is, whatever that thing is. So when you think of leftovers, leftovers in the fridge just like this, um, you think about them being in the fridge, there, this, this, what is, I don't even know what this is, is it like rice or something? I think it's rice and like maybe hamburger helper, I have no clue, okay? Whatever's in that fridge, its environment will change at some point. It absolutely will change. Typically one of two ways. Either it's going to come out of the refrigerator, and it's going to get utilized, it's going to get cooked again, it's going to get reheated, it's going to go through a process to actually be used. Or, it's going to come out of there, that lid's going to pop off, and it's going to get flipped upside down in the garbage can. <laughs> One or the other. The environment's going to change no matter what. If the environment isn't changing, then I'm telling you, you're serious. Hoarders is probably going to be calling you because that, that's got to come out of the fridge at some point, guys. It really has to. Unless, unless you, you, you really understand this, there's two options. But both options mean that the environment has to change. And so I think about this. How many of you have dreams that maybe got started? Maybe, maybe you, you, you pulled it out of the fridge and you were like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to this. You threw it on the counter and you looked at it and you thought about it long enough and you were like, mm, nope, changed my mind, right? There are dreams and there are things that you have done that with. There are talents that you have done that with. There are things where the Holy Spirit is nudging you closer to do something for him. And as soon as you get close enough where you're about to make that decision, something tells you you're not good enough. That's not true. You know, I, I, I tell people, I say, you've, you've got two buckets. You need to start listening and deciding which bucket does it go into. Is it good? Is it holy? Is it pure? Is it of God? 
Those are all good things. Take everything in that bucket. If it talks down to you, if it tells you you're worthless, if it tells you you're never going to be good enough, that bucket, just kick it. Like, it's no good, right? We don't, we don't need that. And I believe it's time for some of us to, to really start digging down into things that God has equipped us to do and change the environment. You need to start putting them into practice. You need to start moving on them. It may be baby steps. God loves baby steps. He loves baby steps. Start. Start moving towards it because you have to change the environment. Some of you may have tried doing it before. Maybe you thought about doing it, but you stop. And the reason that it's so hard is because the reality is, is it takes effort. You have to be committed. Listen, when Bethany and I launched out to, to, to start this church, when God gave us the vision to do this, we didn't look at each other and say, this is going to be easy. <laughs> this is going to be a cakewalk. Listen, when we walked through this building and we saw what it looked like, we didn't look at each other and say, this is going to take no time, right? We lived here, guys. We lived here. That took effort. It took effort. And what God wants you to do, it's, listen, you're not going to be able to do it by just saying, eh, you know what, I'll give it a shot. No, no, no. You got you to gotta put in some effort. It's like my, uh, uh, my mom, every Thanksgiving, she would cook a turkey. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not crazy about my mom's turkey. You guys are going to think I really hate all of my mom's food because I said this about her gravy too. There are some things that I really like that my mom cooked. I will be honest with you. But I wasn't, I'm just not a crazy turkey guy, to be honest. I just, it's just not my thing. It's not my jam. Ham, yes. Like we had ham last week. I'm telling you, I could eat all those leftovers. That was no problem, right? Turkey, just, it doesn't really do anything for me. And so what would happen is my mom would get done. She'd cook a turkey big enough for all four of us boys and her and dad, right? So it's a pretty good-sized turkey, right? I mean, you know, four teenage boys in the house. I mean, we could, we could do some damage. But we would always get done, and she would have containers of leftover turkey in the fridge. Containers of them. And she literally would say, I am going to have to figure out something to do with all of this turkey. So within the next day or two, she would go to work in, in the kitchen, and she would start messing with that turkey again. She'd start doing something. Next thing I know, she's dicing it. She's shredding it. She's putting it in stuff. I, I don't know what she's doing, right? Next thing you know, I got turkey salad. Now, I'll tell you, at that point in my life, I had no clue what the process was to make turkey salad. I had no clue. In my life, it was just like, hey, we have a turkey. And then it was like the next day, whoa, there's a salad with turkey in it. It's not like a real salad, but like, you know, turkey salad for a sandwich. And it transformed it, right? It didn't just magically do that, no matter what I may have thought in that point in my life. It took effort. It took time. She labored over that to make sure that she did it right because she didn't want to waste the turkey. And the reality is, is it's because mom and dad, they invested in that turkey. Turkey's not that cheap, I guess. I don't know. I don't buy too many turkeys. But she, she made an investment, and she knew that she needed to get the most out of that investment. And here's what I want you to understand. God has made an investment in you. He has placed things in you that he has already prepared for you. And when we, when we start to look at those things as nothing more than leftovers, we miss what God has really put in us, guys. The problem is, is we, we have skills, we have abilities, we have things that we've been taught, things we've done, 
You know, we've done all that and we need to start building on that initial investment. That's what we need to do. We need to start figuring out what it is that God has already placed in us. And then we have to be willing to put in the effort. First Peter four, I want to read two verses for you here. It says in, in verse 10 and 11, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Listen, guys, we have to, we have to stop making and listening to the excuses as to why we have so many leftovers within us here. Within us here. The things that he's placed in our spirit, right? No more downplaying the significance of what God has done in your life. What God has done in your life is significant, guys. It is powerful and it is life-changing, but we have to be willing to tap in and go back in there and grab some of those things and put them to work. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Here's what, here's what I would tell you. I believe that God is calling each of you, every single one of us, myself included, to start using what we have classified or we have decided are nothing more than leftovers. Now, I don't know I don't know your situation. I don't know if you feel like there are leftovers for you because someone told you you weren't good enough or because someone shuns you off when you try to do it. I, I, have, I have no idea what it is, but we have, we have got to start tapping back into this because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to squash and waste your life. He wants to keep you from doing the things that God has put in you to do, what he has already prepared for you to do. And so here's what I want you to think. What are the things that you haven't, you haven't reached in and touched in a while? What are the things that you've forgotten about that maybe are way in the back of the fridge? There's things that you used to care about. There's things that God originally put into you that you were passionate about. I don't care what killed that. I don't care what, what stopped that for you. But I'll tell you this. We need to reach back in and we need to tap into those things. Those are talents that God has placed with you. Kristen, if you would go ahead and start playing that song. It's time for us to start looking for those opportunities. It's time for us to reach in, right? Change the environment. And it is time for us... Guys, it's, it is, it's time for us to put in some effort. You are not going to change your situation. You are not going to change someone else's situation without putting in some effort. And so tonight, I want to encourage you, as I talked to you about last week, do three things in our service. We worship, we receive the word, and we respond to the word. 
I believe that God has intended some of you tonight to open up and allow God to use what you think have been your leftovers. The things that you have put to the side, the things that you have, you have, you have just escaped from for some reason, I don't know what it is, but I want to open up this altar to you to come pray. You don't have to come to me. You don't, you don't have to come to Bethany. I want you to come lay those things down because he wants to use you in your brokenness, in your, in your struggle. He wants to stir that up in you. So I'm going to open up this altar while this worship song plays. Give you about five minutes to respond to the word that God has put into you. Amen.